On today's episode of the Gaucho 9 Podcast, we talk to fifth-year senior Gianni Bloom about the upcoming season, some leadership stuff, some swing stuff, and uh, some pitching stuff as well, uh, being the leader of the catching core and calling pitches for the Gauchos. And we also talk to head coach Andrew Checkets. He's in his 11th season at the helm, 21st season overall as a coach at the Division I level. And we also uh, make a bold claim about this 2022 team. Today's episode is brought to you by our great friends at Kyle's Kitchen. Go check them out in Goleta and Santa Barbara. You can also check out Kyle's Chicken House, newly opened. That's in Isla Vista on Embarcadero del Mar and Pardal. And also Kyle's Protein Grill, which is in Hollister Village, right next to Kyle's Kitchen out there in Goleta. This episode also brought to you by Smart Office Interiors. Proud sponsors of the Gaucho 9 podcast in UCSB Athletics. They are your local source for quality commercial furniture for education, healthcare, government, private companies, and of course the home office. They offer full service solutions that include design, planning, and installation. They just completed installing some new desks in the team rooms at the ballpark. They are wonderful and already being utilized. They've also added some more couches and coffee tables. Uh, it's been been great uh, having those new items in for storage and for workspace at Caesar Wasaka Stadium. Call Smart Office Interiors, 805-965-8585. It's one of the most beautiful views of any campus in America, the Pacific Ocean crashing against the shores of UC Santa Barbara every morning, noon, and night. There's the one-strike pitch, and Mitchell bounces the deep left. Cabrera is going to watch it fly. He's at the track. He's at the wall. He leaps at the wall, and this one is out of here. Christian Curley. Gauchos are going to Omaha. Can you believe it? John Newman wins it for the Gauchos. In the score is two. Here comes Mitchell. He's going to score, and the Gauchos are the 2019 champions of the Midwest. All right, before we get to our first interview, with Gianni Bloom, I wanted to run down the schedule really quick in case uh, you haven't had a chance to check it out online, but it's a good schedule, and it starts on the road this weekend with three games against San Francisco. The Dons, Gauchos played USF last year, three games at Caesar Wasaka Stadium. It was interrupted by rain. They were supposed to play four, but wound up playing three games, and the Gauchos won all three against San Francisco. And those games were following the four-game sweep that uh, the Gauchos had to endure against Oregon in what was uh, kind of a topsy-turvy start to the season last year where you lose opening day against Santa Clara, then take the next two games of the series, you sweep Pepperdine in four games, you're 6-1 riding high into the big series against the Ducks, and Oregon comes from behind in that first game and second game to win by one, uh, the big blowout in the second leg of the doubleheader. And then after Kyle Johnson uh, almost won the game on Sunday, the the Ducks put up a big five spot in the 10th inning to sweep the Gauchos. And that was uh, that was a reality check, I think, last year. So six and one start, then you jump to six and five, and four-game sweep at home, pretty tough to handle that. But Gauchos bounced back, won a big 9-8 to game in 14 innings against the Dons, and then uh, took care of business from there, sweeping USF. So it was a bit of a back and forth. They wound up taking the first two against Fullerton, putting a five-game winning streak uh, after the four-game sweep. So that's how things started last year in what was a phenomenal season for the Gauchos, which ended in Tucson. Uh, they finished second in the conference, 41-20 and 20 overall. They made it to the regional final of the Tucson Regional against uh, Arizona. The two big wins against Oklahoma State. The fine performance by Rodney Boone, who set the single-season strikeout record, and he had Marcos Castanon hitting every single ball that he saw either over the fence or off the wall, driving in runs. I think he had 10 RBIs. In the regional, he was a uh, all-regional selection as well as Rodney Boone. But 
a, a huge finish uh, to the year, even though you didn't make it out of the regional. I thought it was uh, one of the finer seasons that I have witnessed uh, being a part of this program and just another 40 win season that is now let's count them up here. So one, two, three, four, 41 seasons for the Gauchos in the last 10 years, including one, two, three, four, five NCAA regionals and the super and the college world series in 2016. But looking forward to this year, 2022, the schedule pretty challenging to start. You got eight of your first 12 games on the road. Check that eight of your first 11 games on the road. No. Yes. <laughs> I'm going back and forth here. Eight of your first uh, 11 on the road because it's a, uh, it's a four game series against uh, the ducks up in Oregon. But uh, we talk about that with coach Chagets here coming up, but you start off on the road against San Francisco, then LMU, and uh, USF finished top of their conference, uh, third in the WCC last year. Uh, they had a coaching change here late in 2021 and have been kind of shuffling around their staff. I think they announced a new member of their staff today. But uh, they've got some things going on uh, internally. Uh, kind of hard to judge how the, the players will react when that type of stuff happens, but uh, they will be playing on a turf field. The Gauchos will at uh, Benedetti Diamond in San Francisco. Uh, it's the first time that I will see baseball played at that field. The last time the Gauchos went when I was part of the staff was in 2012. And due to rain, we had to play the games in Oakland for some for some reason. I don't remember exactly why, but since the last time the Gauchos were there, uh, the orientation of that field uh, has changed and it has been completely remodeled. Um, but it, it is a, a very fine place uh, to watch baseball and hope there will be family and friends there uh, from the Bay uh, that weekend. So USF to start at LMU, then at home, the home opener, February 25th against Nevada. The, uh, the Wolfpack, they won the Mountain West last year. They were one of those high RPI teams that, potentially have bumped the Gauchos out of the postseason had they lost their conference tournament. The the Mountain West only got one team in. It was Nevada, and they had a top 30 RPI. And had they lost the Mountain West, they could have gotten an at-large bid because they had a stronger uh, RPI than the Gauchos. But uh, as it happens, Nevada won the Mountain West, but they went two and Q in the Stanford Regional, losing to the Big West champs, UC Irvine and North Dakota State. Uh, then probably the one of the bigger matchups on the schedule, uh, at Oregon, March 4th through the 6th. It's a four-game series, doubleheader on Saturday. As I mentioned, the Ducks came to Santa Barbara and swept the Gauchos. In, uh, I mean, convincing fashion, I don't know. They were shut down by Boone and McGreevy but rallied late in both of those first two games. And, and once that happens, and they took those first two, the Gauchos just, they didn't have it in that third game. And then Sunday, it was anybody's ball game at the end. It was the Gauchos who came from behind to tie it late. And then Oregon put up the five spot to, to win it. But Gauchos who were there last year, they're out for some revenge because that series hurt early in the year. And, and it's Oregon and they're, you know, they're flashy. And there's some, if you listen to last week's pod, there's uh, some friendly rivalries with Josh Kasevich uh, playing with Xander Darby in high school. So they're familiar with each other, but Oregon is a formidable opponent. They finished second in the pack last year. They lost to LSU in the Eugene regional final. And uh, there's, there's no Yovan and no Zavala who were huge in that series. It felt like Kenyon Yovan hit a homer every single at bat uh, in that series, but um, they will be back and strong under coach Waz. So that's going to be a big series. If you can make it up to that um, at PK park four games against the ducks in the beginning of March, then you got Yale Ivy league did not play last year. 
So we do want to welcome the Ivy League back to competition. Uh, they canceled their 2021 season. Penn, Pennsylvania, they were the only school in the Ivy that scheduled and played games last year. Uh, so Yale did not play any games in 2021. They, of course, uh, had a few games in 2020, but that season was cut short. So uh, not sure what we're going to see from the Bulldogs, but they start off with road series at Auburn and at Washington before coming to Santa Barbara. So uh, that'll be a tough series for the Bulldogs um, that second week of March. Then the Gauchos start Big West play against Cal State Fullerton at home. That's the 18th, 19th, and the 20th. Those two teams split last year on the road uh, down in Fullerton. Gauchos won the first two. Titans won the second two, and it kind of felt like a series loss for the Gauchos. And always uh, always a big series when you face the Titans because even though they've been down the last couple of years, uh, it's hard to keep the Titans out for very long. So we'll see how uh, Cal State Fullerton uh, what they bring to the table in 2022. Then they got just hit the road for a five-game road trip. They will be at St. Mary's and then at UC Davis and then at UCLA to finish off March. UCLA ranked in the top 25 to start the year. They finished fourth in the Pac-12 last season. They lost to Texas Tech in the Lubbock Regional Final. And in that three-game set late in the year, last year, uh, Gauchos won the first game on the road, but UCLA came back to win the weekend, winning in Santa Barbara and then in L.A. Then the Gauchos are back to Big West play. Hawaii at home, and then at Pepperdine and at Cal State Northridge. Then they are at home to UC San Diego. Tuesday game again against UCLA at home and then a home series against Long Beach State. Long Beach State picked in the preseason polls to win the conference. Gauchos picked third. Irvine picked second. So home series against Long Beach State, that's going to be a big one, April 22nd to the 24th. They've got Devereaux Harrison, who has been getting a lot of uh, a lot of hype on the mound. He was a great closer for them last year. The, the dirtbags are going to be tough under Coach Villanueva, he's gotten a few years uh, to get that program going. And they have a really tough schedule, as they always do. They are um, at the reigning national champs this weekend. Uh, They're in Starkville to play Mississippi State. So uh, they will be tough. That will be a big series. Expect a big turnout for that one uh, at the end of March. I beg your pardon, at the end of April. Then they got those uh, Tuesday game against the Trojans, April 26th down at SC. And then they'll be on the road for the blue-green rivalry against Cal Poly. I just had that great walk-off win against Cal Poly last season in a series that was back and forth. But the Gauchos took three of four. And the first three games very close, very close uh, against the Mustangs. They were picked uh, to finish fourth in the conference here in 2022. And this is a tough stretch of games. So end of April, beginning of May, tough stretch of games for UCSB because you got road game against SC. And that's the first time they'll see the Trojans and former uh, assistant coach for the Gauchos, Matt Fontino. He's down there with the Trojans now, as well as David Tillotson. So that'll be the first time we get to see them wearing USC uniforms. So, you know, a friendly battle with them then it's Cal Poly on the road come home for a Tuesday game against Pepperdine then down to Orange County to play UC Irvine again picked to finish second they are the reigning conference champions they will be tough once again and you know those games are always challenging at Anteater Ballpark couple night games plays big it's a uh, it's a beautiful surface, but uh, Irvine. I mean, they are they are well coached. Those those games la- last year were were battles. Gauchos snuck out that first one by the <laughs> the thinnest of margins, leading by one in the ninth. And 
Gauchos load the bases with nobody out, or I should say the Anteaters loaded the bases with nobody out, trailing by one, and Clayton Hall came in and struck out the next three guys uh, to preserve the 6-5 win, but then it was all Anteaters from then on. Gauchos only scored three runs in the final three games, uh, dropping uh, three of four in that series. Okay, let's see. We're in. Uh, we're at May 10th right now, Tuesday, at home against St. Mary's. And it's the uh, Big West bye week. Gauchos will host Dixie State. Yes, you heard that correctly. Dixie State. They are in their second season coming up from Division Two out of St. George, Utah, playing in the WAC Conference. Let's see. The, I think they're called the Trailblazers. They finished fourth in the WAC last season. So not sure what to make of Dixie State, but they are playing a, a lot of teams that are familiar with the Gauchos this year. So by by May, we'll have a good idea of who uh, Dixie State is. All right, so to finish out the season, Gauchos will be at home against USC May 17th. That's Tuesday at home against Riverside, and then they finish off against Cal State Bakersfield on the road. And that wraps up the schedule. Pretty good one. Uh, you got four regional teams, Nevada, Oregon, UCLA, and UC Irvine from last year. A couple of Pac-12 schools. You got some WCC in there, Mountain West. Got just keeping it regional. Um, you know, the, the tough midweeks, always tough to go down to L.A. to play SC or UCLA. And then that, that St. Mary's trip, that'll be a long one because you go up to play St. Mary's. You stay in NorCal to play UC Davis. And, uh, yeah, so that is the schedule breakdown for 2022. Hope you are able to make it. So if, find the Gauchos on the road, follow the schedule, follow the Instagram, Twitter, see if you can, can make a road game, whether it's in Northern California or the Central Coast or in Southern California. So Gauchos will be all over the place, not going to San Diego this year, but uh, they'll be in L.A. a bunch. They'll be in San Luis Obispo. And they'll be in Northern California a bunch as well. And, of course, up in Eugene. So uh, that's your 2022 schedule breakdown. Coming up next, it is Johnny Bloom. Standing here with Johnny Bloom, senior? Senior, senior? fifth year senior. Fifth year senior, yeah. Johnny Bloom. Third year as a gaucho. Yeah. Right? First year was 2020. Uh, it's... It's always an exciting time of year, right? February. Baseball season rolls around. It was really warm this weekend, wasn't it? Absolutely. It feels, felt like you know, the middle of July out here playing baseball. But uh, at the beginning of the season, you know, a week, we play, what, on Friday? Mm-hmm. So we're four days out. Excited? Nervous? Like, where's the headspace at? Super excited. Um, the whole team, there's definitely a different kind of buzz that gets going around this time of year. Um, it's, it feels really special this year because last year it was different. You didn't really know how it would go with COVID and the schedule was different. So we're getting back into that feel kind of like my first year. Um, and it's just really exciting to go play against somebody else instead of each other all the time. Yeah, and your, your first year, that's 2020, the COVID, COVID year. How did you feel going into that year compared to right now? Because everything felt normal. 2020 and then 2021 it was it was kind of odd but you know we were playing games in front of empty stadiums we will have fans in the stands this year but how does it feel now that you're a fifth year senior this is your you played two years at Sierra three years as a gaucho now like how do you compare it to two years ago and then if you really want to dig deep how does it compare to your first AC season um man I, I really it just feels like I feel a lot more appreciative of it a lot more present um my first year here in Njuko, it felt like you're kind of scratching and clawing just to see the field, just to make a team, get to the next level, whatever it is. I think this being my last year of eligibility, it's been a good chance to really just work hard, but just also stay present and appreciate each day and just be with the guys and work to the common goal of trying to win. So, How do you feel uh, physically? Really good. Yeah, we've been working really hard. Uh, I feel healthy. I feel like I'm in the best shape I've been in in a long time. So uh, it's really exciting. It's good timing. And, and the catcher core, uh, every time I practice when all the catchers get together, I feel like there's like six or seven of them, <laughs> which sometimes there are, sometimes there are that many, but, but you got some youngsters and, and you got your, your cohort, Mason, of course, and I, 
we could probably see you guys platoon again. Uh, I don't know if one is going to take the job or not, but I see platooning. I thought it worked pretty well last year. We went to a regional. Um, what's it like working with the young catchers and having a chance to, to show them show them some things? I mean, it's a lot of fun. The thing about these younger guys is, is I feel like I have to like scratch and claw to be good at catching. These guys are <laughs> so talented. Like the things they can do back there, it's pretty unreal to watch and just to work with them. And we definitely all push each other. And, you know, if we're struggling a little bit, we all come get work in together. And it's nice just to kind of teach them some of the things I've picked up from checks or just over the years about maybe pitch calling or getting to know your staff and just kind of some of the nuanced things. But I mean, these guys are all so talented. We take a lot of pride in how good each of us is, you know, through the whole depth chart. So, so what about some nuance? Because not every catcher calls the games. And, like, you are a catcher that does call the games. Is that right? Yeah, most of the time. Yeah. And so what what do you have to do? Is it something that's a trust thing or you you want to call the games? Is it something that Checks wants you to do? How did that come about where you're in the game and you're calling the pitches? So I think it's definitely something that Checks wants us to do. He wants to be able to trust us to do that just because it takes a lot off of his plate to not have to worry about each pitch. Um, and it was kind of funny, actually. My first ever start as a catcher, uh, Sac State that first year I had DH the first night and then I was moving to catch the second day and he kind of goes over the scouting report with me in the pen and then he just goes so you got it like you're ready to call it and I was kinda, I was like what like I, didn't, I never was allowed to call it in junior college um, huh. and he was I, he just let me run away with it and it was a good game and since then I've always wanted to continue to do that so <laughs> which uh, which game is that Sac State so uh, that was game two that was game two I think it was who started either it was Torah, I think, even. Yeah. Yeah, so Torah, I think it was a shutout. Not to, you know, not to brag about it. <laughs> no, but, please. But, you know, please brag. <laughs> that's a reflection of the pitching staff that year. They didn't really give up too many runs at all. So, so yeah, that was a pretty good pitching staff. They had a pretty good catching core uh, working with them. Last year, the, the pitchers were pretty good, too. And we talk a lot on the podcast, on the broadcast, and in the media about, oh, they, they set the strikeout record, and and they have a good strikeout-to-walk ratio, and... and yada 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 but we forget about the catchers and what they do behind the plate to help out the pitchers so what's it been like working with guys like McGreevy and Boone and and Zach Tora and Chris Troy and Connor Roberts Connor Dans like some of the the bigger name pitchers that have gone through here the last couple of years uh, even Corey Lewis who's going to be pitching on Friday I presume so what's been like working with those guys who are good at their craft and able to work with your craft which is also good yeah, I mean, it's it's been really fun. I, I tell people it's like playing with MLB The Show sometimes, calling pitches for these guys. Um, and, you know, our job is to kind of fade away as much as we can and not be as noticed and kind of highlight the pitchers and what they do best. And I think that's what Chex has taught us and taught me, like, the most is just you have to really understand your pitcher, his profile, where he misses, what he wants to do, and even, like, kind of how his, his mind works. You know, catching Boone is a lot different than catching McGreevy because they're totally different guys. But... The way pitchers develop here and, and the kind of guys we produce, it's just a lot of fun catching them. So, so who, are, who are some guys to watch out for or who have impressed you this fall and this, this uh, well, winter, spring? I guess it's spring already. We had one month of winter. But who've, who has impressed you on this staff this year in 2022? I mean, definitely Corey Lewis. He, you know, five pitches with feel for everything and a knuckleball is going to be really hard to hit. Feel for the knuckleball? That's what you're saying? Yeah, feel for the knuckleball okay. too, you know. Um, <laughs> So he's always fun to catch. It's like, you know, it's really hard to hit when he's throwing five pitches for strikes. And his, his other pitches are really good, too. But a couple of guys I've been really impressed with, too, is like Ryan Gallagher, a uh, freshman. Is, I faced him in the scrimmage last week or weekend for the first time. And he's, he's the real deal. He's really good, really good changeup. Uh, Goody, I, Gutierrez I caught this summer, too, and he's done really well. He'll be a big lefty for us. Um, but the whole staff, I think this year we feature a lot of depth, and I'm really excited just to see how each guy goes on. And Michael Rice is coming back from injury, and he's looked really good. So it's just exciting. I think we have a lot of really talented guys, and we're going to see who kind of emerges. And, and unproven. Unproven. I have i don't think I've said this on the, the podcast or anything, but it kind of reminds me of 2016 a little bit because in 2015 you host the regional, you win 40 games, you had the big pitching staff, and then – all the draft picks, everybody leaves, and then 2016 happens with guys that were unproven, unheralded, maybe had rode the bench for a while. Last year, win 40 games again, go to the regional, got all the draft picks. There's a lot of similarities coming into this year where there's some unproven parts, some unproven parts, but it's also led by some veteran players 
like yourself who have been around that maybe didn't play a full year or have have seen things but you know not been a star per se and so I, it's it might be a stretch because we haven't played any games yet but in 2016 was magical but who knows maybe 2022 could be magical as well uh let's see hitting working with ferg did you get to work with ferg in 2020 briefly yeah for we worked together in the fall yeah. a lot. yeah so what's it been like having him back I mean, it's it's really the best. It, the way he kind of empowers us to just go for it and the way he doesn't fear or shy away from failure. He lets you try things. He's creative in how he teaches. Uh, I mean, he's really the best hitting coach I think any of us could ask for. And he just kind of what he's taught us and how he lets you just go for it and try to be the best player you can be. He's not going to try to make you kind of shy, like shy away from trying to be great. Uh, it doesn't matter who you are, or what you've done in the past. And that's what I really appreciate. So, so what about your swing? You have a unique swing. At the first time you came up with the leg kick, and I was throwing batting practice to you, it kind of shocked me because I was like, wait, there's a foot in the zone where I'm trying to aim at. And you've tweaked a lot of things. You've put some balls over the fence. How's, uh, what have the swing adjustments been? Man, just like finding ways to kind of control, control the stretch that I'm trying to create in my swing and not kind of flop and flail and slide underneath balls just kind of giving me a chance to use my size and my strength and my leverage um, and there's, we've gone a lot of different directions trying to kind of figure out what would click and it's been you know five years of that it's been a long yeah. career of trying to just kind of figure it out but Ferg's been great about starting fresh and just trying to find what clicks and giving me some cues and that's how I kind of started floating the leg out there just going for it and uh, you know I definitely am still tweaking it and working on it now but. now we got the open stance you got the little on the toe mm -hmm. like there's all kinds of stuff going on any swing comps for yours or, or guys that you look at and try and replicate so we've been you know we work with uh, Marsh and, and Ferg on kind of getting the swing comps so I've been looking at a lot of Aaron Judge um, and then personally I like to watch Nick Cassianos just because of the way he kind of swings his leg forward kind of mm -hmm. a similar start mm -hmm. in the setup but just trying to kind of emulate Judge and think about some of the things he does and how that would, how I would feel to look like that swinging. I mean, it doesn't always like translate exactly, but just as something to kind of set your sights on and, and aim for, for sure. Okay, well, looking for big things with the bat from Johnny Bloom this year and blocking the baseball, of course. Uh, there was a practice last week, uh, Coach Tex getting in the catcher's ears about blocking blocking pitches. Is it a, is it a mentality thing? Is it a, is it a technique thing, blocking a baseball? Is it a... I know it's going to be in the dirt coming from Corey Lewis. Like, it's easy to block this because he's going to put it where I tell him to. Like, what does it take to block a Division One pitch that's in the dirt? I think, I mean, it's definitely mentality. It's def definitely anticipating that it's going to be down there. We always say if you're going to call it there, you better block it. Um, and that's, like, big in building trust with your pitchers, too, so they can execute a two-strike pitch or whenever you want it down to the guy on base. But... Chucks was getting on us a little bit, but just because we're getting closer to that first game, so right. he wants to create that pressure and practice, and if you can't block it with him chirping you, you can't do it with you know the winning run on third in the ninth inning, so I just think it's mentality. Everybody kind of gets to the ball differently. I'm a bigger guy. I have to be a little more creative than maybe uh, Jesse or Aaron does because they're so athletic in the squat still, so I think it's just finding what works for you and just being committed to not letting anything buy you, you know, and if you do miss one, don't let it shake your confidence and just get the next one. Keep calling it there, so. That's right, next pitch. So last thing before I let you go, uh, you mentioned first game. It's coming up this Friday against San Francisco. A uh, bit of a homecoming for Johnny from Richmond. Went to St. Mary's High School, like myself. Go Panthers and Berkeley. So we're both going home for this opening series. Uh, family in the stands. Yeah. Uh, that, that whole thing, like you excited to go play in the city? Yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, there's going to be a bunch of family there. It's, it's pretty like serendipitous because my first, uh, my first ever game in junior college was at USF. Oh, wow. Um, playing a different junior college. <laughs> so it kind of feels full circle, but I'm excited for our team to get going and just see what we can accomplish this year. Okay. Uh, bold prediction? Anything? Shoot. We're, Johnny, we're just Johnny, go. Johnny Bloom goes, uh, is, uh, graduates from junior slugger and gets two extra base hits in the game. Is that too <laughs> bold to say? I don't think that's too bold to say. I feel good with the bat, but... We'll see. Hopefully a gotcha win, a gotcha sweep is the goal, and then whatever else happens is just gravy. So. Okay, yeah. Gotcha's take on the Dons at 2 o'clock on Friday, then 1 o'clock Sunday, 1 o'clock Saturday, then 1 o'clock Sunday, and then uh, another road game Tuesday against LMU before opening up against Nevada the 25th uh, here at Caesar Wasaka Stadium. So, uh, Johnny, uh, we'll see you on the field, see you on the bus, and uh, go Gauchos. Absolutely. Let's go.
All right, we're here with the head coach of the Gauchos, Andrew Chekets, and we're about to embark on your 11th season at the helm of UC Santa Barbara. Are you? Do you get nervous before the season starts? Is it routine, or is it uh, you scared? Like, what are the emotions going into the first game of the season? Uh, that's a good question, Kevin. Um... Yeah, I, I would say there's some excitement. I, I would say over my career, I have always wanted to practice more because I've never felt as prepared as we could be. I've never gone into a year and gone, man, we're, we're ready for game one and we don't need more practice. I've always felt like, gosh, I wish we just had you know, two more weeks. Or, and some of that's NCAA baseball. We send them home for a month and they come back in January. We've got skill work for a month and we're you know, trying to get pitchers ready to go, and you really only get to see them compete for you know, two or three weeks before you play. And, um, so you're kind of going in that first week. It feels like you get at least, you know, when you have unknowns, you're guessing a little bit. So I, I would say I, I'm excited to go play somebody else and see where we're at. I feel like this group's work in progress, um, and my, I think like just about every year, I feel like I'd like to practice some more. So so more time. More, More time, time. Un- yes. unprepared is kind of kind of how we feel. I, I get that sense every year, yes. right? Yeah, that's... you're you're at home with your family for the holidays, and then school starts January third, and then it's baseball season, and it, it goes like that. Yep. And you with the with the rules, you don't really get to see the guys until what, like around alumni weekend, something like that. So you got a couple weeks of practice, and then all right. Throwing into the fire. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. There's some, you know, we get to do skill work, and then there's some limits, limit, limited simulated stuff that we do with the guys to try and get pitchers ready and some live hitters. But you know, that's not like a competitive scrimmage. And then you get you know, two and a half, three weeks of competitive scrimmages, and then it's go time. So, um, yeah. Well, I am looking forward to host we're playing at home. I don't like to travel, so um, but you do have to return trips. Um, so but we'll, we'll get on the bus on Thursday and go see what we got. And I, th- I think the one thing that was good, the timing-wise, was the weather. Because we got a ton of rain in December. And it's like the first part of January. And then it's held off since. And so there hasn't been any days or multiple days where we've had to be off the field as far as working you know, on the field that we're going to play on. It's, it feels like it's been more fluid not having to juggle bouncing around because of rain or throwing bullpens in the rain. It feels more like, all right, the rain came, it stopped, and then we've been doing baseball since. Did that, and also it's done good things for the field. Of course, <laughs> the, the field is in fine style. Um, all of the, uh, the stresses that went into it, I feel like it's paid off. But I know we're talking about the weather, but it f- kind of feels like that. Am I, am I crazy, or did it feel like the, the weather was, was pretty good timing-wise? Yeah, it, yeah, it worked out well. You know, obviously, we can't predict it or, or draw it up. I mean, hard to draw it up much different than Santa Barbara weather in general. Um, but, yeah, we got we got a ton of rain, and that was good when we were overseeding. You know, your, your, your baby, the field, looks good and dialed in and ready to go. And so we benefited from that, and we also benefited from some dry weather. We got back, and we didn't have to spend a lot of time on the – Rec center turf, or d- dancing around it. We've been able to get a lot done. Fields held up well, but that that has been a positive that the weather has cooperated. You know more so than I can remember over maybe the last four or five years. I think early on, you know, about our first year, my first five years, we were in that drought, so we had some dry Januarys and started rain a little bit more, a little bit more normal um, for a while. And so that was tough on the field, tough on practice planning. And, uh, so I feel like this has been a year where the timing has worked out pretty well for us. Uh, I feel like I remember some years where we were setting up tarps like over the, the goals, the soccer goals on the turf fields to hide uh, machines under so we could shoot fly balls when it was raining. I remember days like that. So uh, it's nice to have been out here for, for a good month uh, straight on the field getting ready for the season. Let's, let's talk about uh, the season as a whole to start off before we get into any minor details. Uh, San Francisco this weekend, pretty good schedule, good balance between home and away. 
a couple of rematches from last year, a couple of regional teams from last year. Uh, talk about the schedule and how it came together for 2022. Yeah, a couple return trips. So San Francisco return trip, um, you know, the Oregon return trip. And originally at Oregon, we were scheduled to go there first and COVID hit and not being able to travel outside of California, they were, they were able to come down. And so we're, we're returning that, that trip there. Um, so kind of the usual midweeks, I, you know, I try to schedule LMU, Pepperdine, USC, and UCLA first, just because of travel. They're all the closest Division One teams to us that aren't in our conference. Um, so we're not always perfect with that, able to get on everybody's schedule and have it work out. But for midweeks, we were, uh, <coughs> we were able to get a lot of those teams this year. Um, and then we've got our, our trip up north to, to St. Mary's that we try to do during spring break, so we're going to miss try and make that midweek um, happen during spring break so we don't miss class when we have to go overnight for midweek. So I, I think it's a good schedule. You know, I think there's some, some good teams there. You know, Nevada won their conference last year. Oregon hosted a regional, almost won their regional. Um, I think San Francisco finished in the top two or three in their conference and, and finished well. Um, so yeah, it should be it should be competitive. I think early on it's going to be challenged on the road, you know, quite a bit. I think you probably don't want to make it three or four of our first first four. Yeah, San Francisco and then LMU before yeah. the opener against Nevada. Yeah, and then we've got then we're on back on the road again for four at Oregon. So um, you know, eight of our first eleven on the road, um, which will be a challenge and. Um, so, but it'll be good for us. And hopefully, prepare us as we get, you know, into conference play. Hopefully, have some some road wins under our belt. So, I've been thinking about this for the last couple of weeks, trying to think about this season, how to compare it to others. As far as seasons upon us, what do we have? What kind of crop of players do we have? What what year does it feel kind of similar to? And every time I think about it, I fall on 2016. And I hope you're right. I, 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 <laughs> we've talked about it a bunch. We don't like reminiscing too much and thinking about that week that year too much as far as looking at players on the field while we're getting ready for a season. You know, it's different players. It's, it is what it is. But you think about 2015, the, the good pitching staff, going to a regional, winning 40 games, and then the guys like Hakame and Tate um, are gone the next year. Don Mazza gone the next year. Some of the, the key position players gone. But there were a lot of young players on, the, on that team in 2015 that maybe were role players that didn't throw too many innings that came off the bench, but were good, but weren't getting the burn that, that they got in 15, but were able to get it 16, and it turned into this miraculous season. I say this because last year, you had the great pitching, McGreevy, Boone, Callahan. You have the the great hitting, the clutch hitting, the regional. You don't win your conference. Maybe you're playing with a chip on your shoulder the following year. And with this team, a lot of unproven, a lot of unproven guys, a lot of young players, some some pitching roles that need to be filled out. I just, every time I think about it, I think this team could be like 2016 as far as what happened last year. And the crop of players that we have this year is there? Has that thought crossed your mind at all? <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. But now that I bring it up, uh, you, Corey Lewis is pumped because that means he's going to win a Cy Young. That's right. Point. <laughs> <laughs> Corey yeah, Lewis I, is the Bieber. I don't think. I don't think going in in 2016, you know, we, you never know. We didn't know we had a Cy Young Award winner, future Cy Young Award winner. We knew it was good, but we didn't know we had a future Cy Young Award winner on Friday. And, you know, in that group, I mean, there's. I think there's going to end up being you know, four or five big leaguers out of that. Out of that group, um, on the mound, it looks like you know, some guys on the floor. Yeah, you know, the no, record. No you get the No Davis, Kyle Nelson, yeah. Bieber, yeah, and Ellie and Bieber already being up, and you know, the Trevor Bancourt still hanging in there and trying to make a run at it after getting healthy again. So, um, but it, yeah, I mean, I think the similarities are we're pretty athletic, mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot of unknowns. So. Now we had Austin Bush there, and I don't see an Austin Bush type of you know, power hitter in the in the lineup. But I think um, I think the lineup has a chance to have more depth in it than maybe that you know nineteen or sorry sixteen team did. You know, because that sixteen team we actually 
that, that batting average of that 16 team, I, you know, if you go back and look at the record books, I think it's in the it's like 10 worst. It's like, it's six, like 260 six, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. yeah, it was like the sixth worst of all time um, in Gaucho history. And um, now some of that, I think, uh, you know, I think the bats were still working through the kind of the new bats and some of the, you know, some of the BB course stuff. But yeah, we weren't, we weren't mashers and um, we had a few guys, but we were athletic and threw strikes and could play defense. And, um so I think we've got the strike throwers in the group. I think we've got the athleticism. I think there's enough defenders in the infield there. I think offensively we'll be better than that group, just you know, up and down the lineup, and um, you know, with some guys that I think had a chance to, you know, the bottom end of our lineup will be better than that team. Um, so the big question is really the front end pitching, you know, where you've got you know Bieber and Elson. That ta- that ta- tandem is was pretty dynamic. And so that that's the big question that we're working through right now is what's that what's that look like? What's the you know, with the injury to Ben Benbrook that's you know, he was our Nelson, so we've got to have somebody else step up. But but I think the pitching's similar though. I think we might actually have a little bit more depth than maybe that sixteen team. I think our our tenth pitcher on the roster um, now might be ahead of maybe where the tenth pitcher on the roster was and 16 um, but again it's you know who's going to throw on Friday and Saturday it's well it sounds like Corey Lewis and he had a great year last year showed well in the regional and performance against Oklahoma State this is the first thing that pops to mind so he's got the experience pitching on the weekend pitching yeah. in big spots All right, I thought uh, J.D. Callahan that the, the game against Arizona where he's able to neutralize the bats it, you know, it wasn't like we were throwing uh, Bieber out there with when it was Callahan yeah. And and JD he's he's battled this fall and he looked pretty good in his last scrimmage start. So I, I think when I think about it, I think Callahan, uh, Ryan Gallagher showed really well mm-hmm. this fall. I've heard his name a lot. Uh, Mikey Gutierrez, junior college transfer, who's who's showed well as well. Uh, who are some of the other guys? Who could got be Har- out Har- of the pen? Hey, Ryan Har- Har- Harvey. That's right. You know, and I, it was a rotation for the weekend. You know, it's going to be. Um, you know, Lewis Harvey, Gallagher, and then, you know, Cal, Callahan on the midweek. Uh, and, yeah, we had a couple other guys, Gutierrez and Rice, that were, you know, in the mix for that those starting roles. And still, you know, we still, you know, because we're still kind of working through it, that's, it's not a question that that could change with those guys sliding back in there. Um, felt like it was a pretty even race. You know, Rice, come back from Tommy John, it kind of um, – had a little bit of a slower start in his last outing. He looked like a Friday night ace for mm-hmm. uh, three innings. He's not as built up or ready to go throw five or six innings right now. Um, but it's not out of the question that he's either a super high leverage reliever, you know, as a closer or a setup guy, or, or as he you know gets a little more time, rolls into the rotation at some point if somebody else falters. So, um, so yeah, those I think those are the five guys. You know, Gallagher's been impressive you know he's got a really good change up and ability to land a breaking ball and the velo and the fastball are are good and so um feel good about where he's at you know ryan harvey's really thrown the ball well the last couple outings and he's got the big big arm the biggest arm ever to be best velo and um he's done a much better job of pitching so um and then the bullpen you know, i think we've got some depth some potential depth down there you know i think welch is ready to make another jump here he's really threw the ball well his last couple outings. I think Brady Huddleston's ready to you know make a jump at the the back end. Um, you know having Goody and Rice there for a weekend that gives you some some options there. Alex Schreier's coming back from an injury and you know he's not quite ready yet or doesn't look like he's quite there yet. But we feel really good about where he's at from a mentality standpoint and you know when he's when he's right, he's he's good. He's got you know, he's got that setup closer type mentality, and that guys trust him. Feel like he's going to be prepared. Um, Matt Ager, somebody that really came on in that last outing, he was up to ninety three. Yeah, last outing, yeah, he threw up five straight fastballs by guys at ninety three. He's got a ton of extension. Let's go to the ball on top of the hitters, and you know has some rise. So his ninety three feels like ninety six. It's it's a firm ninety three. Mm-hmm. Um, he's added that slider that's good. Um, 
so we feel good about you know his ability to come in and, and get some outs for us in a short relief setting. We think he's you know he's got starter written all over him long term. You know, we think he's he's somebody that will eventually work his way into a starting role here, whether that's this year at some point or or next year. So um, Sam Whiting's another guy that's going to come along, throwing kind of some bowling ball sinkers, and uh, I'm sure I'm missing some guys there, but. Well, it's a lot of new names. If you followed the team last year and the year before, I mean, you've heard the Lewis, you've heard Harvey, you've heard Callahan, but a lot of new names that you're that you're yeah. throwing out there that are, that are first year guys or JC transfers that are going to see some innings this year. Yeah, yeah, and they're, they're going to they're have to go out there and perform and do their thing for us to be good. And so I think I think there's enough pieces to work with, and you know, offensively, I think. You know, we've got about 10 or 11 hitters that you feel like they're going to play. It's really about positioning them, you know, and do we platoon some guys and where are we at from a health standpoint. Um, but that, that, I think the position player side of it's a little bit easier to, to figure out. There's some more. A lot, a lot more veteran. There's more veteran vet, presence. Yeah, more veterans. And so and we need some of those guys that have been waiting to have breakout years. That have breakout years. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. just the reality of it is, you know, we need we need. Willow and Kurtley and Kyle Johnson and Willits and, and Bo. Like those, those guys need to go out and you know be what they're capable of being, what we've been, we've been dreaming on. Um, and I, I think they're poised to do that and ready to do that. Yeah, I agree. And Brock Mortensen, kind of the power threat. I think when you said Bush, uh, the first thing that came to mind was was, was Brock. I mean, he had double-digit yeah. homers last year, and he's uh, coming back for another year. He looks good. Yeah. He's going to play the outfield, the left-handed bat. So... You know, if you think power, you think of Brock Mortensen, but got to have some skill guys too. Steele Ledford, he's look good in center field, can skill it with yeah. on the left side, and um, some young guys who didn't get to play last year, like Leo Mosby, who showed really well in the West Coast League. Yep. He was he had an awesome summer, awesome yeah. summer. And yeah, he and Bo tore yeah. up that league and were were really good. I think you're you're talking about. Uh, you know, guys that have done it and proven, Sprinkle and Mortensen and Willow, you know, Jason really played well the second half of the year last year. Those were the guys that, you know, currently had a solid year. I think he's, you know, he's second team all-conference, DH, but I think he's better than, you know, what his numbers have been the last couple of years. We think he's a real threat, and he has a chance to hit a lot of doubles and homers, and um, I think his, his approach has matured, and he, you know, he's, he's, he's kind of fallen in the trap where he get emotional and get himself out at times uh, but it feels like you know he's, he's been able to grow this year and have better bats and be a little less emotional in the box and have a better plan and <clears throat> so I think there's a, there's a lot of potential with the group and you know I think uh, I, I think it's going to take a little time for us to figure some stuff out um, it's going to be you know some positional stuff and some batting order stuff and some rotation and bullpen stuff and you know we go in and give our first our best our best cast going into it but it just it just might take a little it might it might take a month for us to work through that things to settle in a little bit well you mentioned his name and, and he's been getting all the a lot of preseason accolades and he's been in hot in the scouting world and we've had a lot of scouts here watching him and i think he's probably the as sure a thing going into the first game as, as there is on this team it's jordan sprinkle and probably in the leadoff spot and, and playing shortstop. Or have you thought about hitting him in a different spot other than leadoff? But but Jordan, a sensational year <clears> last <throat> year, just hitting ball out of the ballpark, stealing bases, you know, patrolling that the shortstop position and being a superstar. And he's got another year under his belt and taking leadership, taking leadership uh, to the next level. Uh, what do you got uh, on Jordan Sprinkle? Because he's been he's he's a step. Yeah, he's deserving of all the accolades based on, you know, not only his projection and upside and you know, draft potential, but performance. You know, he had a fantastic year last year. I think he's really developed. I think he's you know, Coach Erdman's done a really nice job with him on the defensive side. I think they both, um, meshed well, and I think he's that's where he's made the most growth is you know from last year to this year. Is it feels like defensively he's. Um, he has continued to improve offensively. He was in a really good spot, and I think he's he's done a good job. But I think he's continued to make strides defensively. And you know, I don't I don't know I don't know what's out there on the West Coast. But I find it hard to believe there's another shortstop on the West Coast that's better 
than he is in terms of speed and range and the ability to stay at shortstop at a, in professional baseball. And, you know, I mean, he's, got, he's got major league shortstop duels. Um, so um, he seems like he's in a good spot and, and ready to go, and he'll stay in that leadoff spot and get us going for the year. And, and we bounced him around a little bit first and second last year. It's just, you know, he gets on base and he can – you can run, and you know, don't want to put when we put Cole in front of it. I've talked about this before, but we put Cummings in front of him because he had a little bit of a higher on base percentage. Felt like it slowed Jordan down. He had somebody in front of him that was on base a lot, which is good, mm-hmm. but he couldn't run quite as much. And when we had that reversed, we could double steal more, and um, you know, more opportunities for Jordan to utilize his speed. So we'll stay in that, that top spot, looking for some, some expanded leadership out of him this year. Last question before we go, uh, bringing back Coach Fergus. I think we uh, – did we touch on it in the the preview thing right out of the New yeah, Year's? I don't, sure. Maybe briefly, but uh, interviewed Ferg in the fall, and he's excited to be back, and he's – you've you've let him – you've turned him loose. Right? The cage are awesome, and, and the hitting has been fun. And every time I talk to offensive player, I mean, their, their reception of, of Donegal has been – wonderful i mean he, they really enjoy working with him and having him back and having him in the dugout does that advantage gauchos yeah i mean we're fortunate you know there's just not you know in mid-major college baseball on a mid-major budget you know um, middle of the conference you know budget um that's not a, i'm not whining it's just the reality of where we're at it's hard to have a somebody with the experience and resume that he has, you know, in your dugout. Um, and so, yeah, we feel fortunate to be able to have him. And, um, you know, I think the last three years have been, you know, good for our, our offensive players. You know, I mean, Matt came in in 19 and, you know, really did a fantastic job with that group that he probably you know, underperformed a little bit. It was a good, it was a good group. I mean, there's talent there for sure. Um, and, those guys came in and you know revamped our offense and gave us a, a different identity about how we played, a more aggressive identity. And, um, and then when Donald, you know, got the opportunity with the Twins and Matt was able to to slide in and leave that role, it felt like we didn't skip a beat. You know, when you look at the numbers um, and we, we put up really big numbers in nineteen and really big numbers in twenty one from a you know, almost the offensive categories and you know Matt and Donald are really different you know mm-hmm. way different personality mm-hmm. Matt and I could sit in the office next to each other for two days and maybe not talk um, and it's not because we don't, would, wouldn't like each other um, it's because we were both focused on doing something <laughs> and working and uh, Donald doesn't have the ability to sit in the office for more than an hour and not talk that's not possible um, so he's got a, he's got a different he's got a different personality and We've been fortunate to have a, you know, a, and, and I, I think their philosophies are fairly similar, you know, and so the transition from Matt, from sort of from Donegal to Matt was smooth, and then from Matt to Donegal has been smooth, and um, so we're, we're glad to have him here and feel, feel fortunate to be able to have some consistency on that side of the ball over the last three years, even though we've had three different coaches running it, two different coaches running it, but a different coach every year for, what, three out of the last four years, yeah. so yeah. you take COVID out of it, so three years, so... Um, and yeah, and he's he's got a he's kind of a pipe piper. He's got that big personality, and um, I think that's been for the two of us. I think it's it's been good. We have, we have different personalities. I think we see things very similar from a baseball perspective, but um, we're also you know what I like to say is I'm a glass half empty guy, and he's a glass half full guy. And so between the two of us, we got full glass. Full glass, boom. <laughs> <laughs> so I like that. I haven't heard that yet. Yeah, yeah, I've said it before. Maybe it's not to you. Well, last last year it was the attitude for gratitude. This year it's going to be the uh, we got a glass half full and a glass half empty. Yeah, and so we got a full glass. Okay, yeah. and I think you need I think you need both. Both of those are good things. I mean, I think I, I, I have a tendency to worry about the things that can beat us, and um, he has a tendency to think that nothing can beat us. And the, the reality is probably there's something. It's probably somewhere in the middle, <laughs> and so. Um, I think those two things can you know, play off each other pretty well, at least our personalities and the way we look at things. All right, well, San Francisco, first series, three games set this weekend, uh, on the road, playing on turf, day games, no lights in the city. Um, 
So you can tune in on UCSBGouches.com. I think WCC will probably stream those, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong, but there'll be a way to watch those games and a way to listen to those games. And this is year 11 for both of us. Yeah. So yeah. 22 between two of us. That's a that's a long that's a long time. What year is this for you, coaching wise, in Division One? Total. Have you thought about that? Uh, I think it's twenty one or you know twenty one ish. Um, Riverside, Oregon. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, you know, somewhere, I can't remember when I was at UCR. It was two thousand one or two thousand two or something like that. I was at the junior college. I think in two thousand. So RCC two thousand, so twenty. Yeah, I think this is twenty one. I think it's a good number. Yeah, it's a pretty good number. Strong. Yeah, strong number. Lots, lots of wins in there. Lots of experience in there, and got the gray hairs through it. <laughs> and you got, and you got the nice. You finally uh, refined your your uniform. I mean, you're pretty. Are you picky with your uniforms? I mean, you got a style. You kind of stick to it. But we got some new. Uh, New cream uniforms here yeah, that, that I'm looking at that are pretty yeah. good. I am definitely um, more of a traditionalist when it comes to the uniforms, and um, I would like to do the basics well as opposed to. Yeah. I think every time we try and get out and do something too fancy, it bothers me. So <laughs> I, I would like to I'm more consistent Dodgers, Yankees, you know, Red Sox, Giants. Kind of, you can't beat those looks. You know, I mean, it's classic. So. Yeah. It took us a while to get to that where we could kind of do the baseline well, you know, with some of the, some of the challenges early on in building the program. And so I feel like we're at a point there. We'll branch out a little bit. Cream's a little crazy. Well, these so. these are, these look good. If you can if you can envision Giants home uniforms, San Francisco Giants home uniforms, but just with with blue, with blue and, and a little bit of piping. So these these are clean. Uh, looking forward to debuting those at home. And uh, looking forward to this weekend. So, uh, uh, it's going to be exciting, as always. Another season. Thanks for all your work, Kev. Appreciate it. Of course. Uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for letting me do what I do. Uh, and this, this podcast has been fun. So uh, that's head coach Andrew Chekets. Thanks for the time. Thanks. All right. Big thanks to our sponsors, Kyle's Kitchen and Smart Office Interiors. And a thank you to... Johnny Bloom and Coach Checkets. Gonna be an exciting year. Definitely going to be an exciting year. Start on the road and then come home and then go back on the road again. But this is gonna be an exciting team. Lots of unproven guys, a lot of guys who are hungry, a lot of guys who are ready to showcase their skills. And we are so ready to welcome people back to Caesar Wasaka Stadium. Real night games, so psyched for for real night games. 5.30 games on Tuesdays and Fridays. You got the 4 o'clock games on Saturdays. So we expect the Gaucho fans to be out in droves this year. Out in droves. You heard that right. Yes. Come out to Caesar and enjoy some college baseball. And also, I do want to shout out my radio partner and Many-time guest on the podcast, Spencer Stewart, accepted a position as an intern for the Boston Red Sox just uh, just uh, today. This is uh, Monday. And so he will be heading out to Fort Myers, Florida pretty soon to go join the Boston Red Sox. Shout-out to Marcus Cuellar, former gaucho, who was part of the hiring process. I guess if you can call hiring process for internships, but whatever the case may be. Uh, talked to Marcus about him, and and uh, Spencer is off to do great things. So we wish him the best. Uh, hopefully we can hear from him before he leaves. I think he's going to be in San Francisco for the weekend. Um, but, yeah, best of luck to Stu, who is uh, off to the Boston Red Sox. So, All right, that'll do it for the podcast. We will have the weekend recap next week, some game highlights and interviews from the weekend for – the opening series, 2022. Gauchos and the Dons from Benedetti Diamond this weekend, 2 o'clock Friday, 1 o'clock on Saturday and Sunday. Hope to see you there. If you cannot make it, tune in, ucsbgauchos.com. And um, 
I don't see anything listed on the website right now as far as WCC coverage for live stream. Stay tuned on that. Check the website. I'm sure they'll have something. Everything is streamed these days. Um, but if not, um, you know where to find me. CSBGouches.com. And uh, I will be there. All right. Go Gouches. See